Please be advised that this last episode may contain strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to What The Forks, a podcast in which we revisit a teenage obsession, Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga. We're still finding out if our love for this series will shine eternal or crumble to ash under close inspection. I'm Chloe. And I'm Isaac. And in this episode, we're talking about the afterword of life and death, Twilight, reimagined? This is the end. Hold your breath and count to ten. <laughs> it's the last episode of the season. Yes! Finally! <laughs> <laughs> oh it's been fun it's just you know the weather it's too hot and i'm so done with this story <laughs> that we've heard so many times and our midnight sun is out and it's the same fucking story i know i've said this before but you do realize that no one is making us do this oh, no. like reflecting back on this little journey we've been on When we were talking about doing this, lockdown had just begun and you said, hey. (laughs) I don't know why you blame this on me. (laughs) It was absolutely you. Both of us. No, we both agreed that we had unfinished business here. Yes. So we returned. We did. You're welcome. It's given me direction. I mean, at first, while I was stuck at home and couldn't leave the house and couldn't go to work, it gave me something to do which I was very grateful for. It gave us a schedule of definitely seeing each other and staying, you know, on top of things together. Which is always appreciated. And always the bit that I think we forget about that is a real surprise every time is the little messages we get on Instagram. The enthusiasm of this fandom and the way that they put up with us talking shit about their beloved (laughs) is astounding and i am always touched yeah when i remember how embraced we are that's fair considering how mean we are (laughs) and this episode is not going to be any different okay So, it's really hot, so bear with us. It's sticky, I'm sweating. I am so damp. So damp. I think this is very fitting for the last episode. Just uncomfortable, (laughs) hot. You know the feeling that you get on your thighs when you're wearing trousers and they get damp? Yes. And the fabric sticks to you and it kind of stings. Yeah, chafing is what it's called, my friend. Well, that's happening all over my body right now. And this is such a good metaphor for this afterward. You're itchy. Wet. Exhausted. You're quite uncomfortable. I, for one, am drunk. (laughs) And then Stephanie Meyer just slaps you with a, hello again, gentle reader. Gentle reader. (laughs) What the fuck does that mean? I'm not feeling too gentle after that ending. We were mad last episode. Very angry. And to be honest, for the last few episodes, I think we've been a bit testy. Yeah. But I'm I'm ready for a celebration of the end of this journey. Okay. We can celebrate the end. <laughs> okay, so before we just discuss the book in its entirety, yeah. you have a lot to say about this afterward. Yeah. Take me through it. Okay, she calls me a gentle reader. I'm not. And then she gets in and is like, I'm not sorry about the ending. I feel like you should be, but not for the reasons you assume. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm not feeling particularly angry at the moment at the shape of this narrative. But then we dealt with that last time. I didn't hate the funeral. You hated the funeral. And I understand why. Yeah. The thing is, this whole concept was, I'm going to change the gender and prove to you that nothing will alter the story. But then she changed everything. And that proves that it obviously doesn't work then. There was so much that needed changing. But she just let that be. And the stuff that didn't really need changing, she changed. And then she's like, I've made this promise to you. I'm going to prove that gender is fluid and it doesn't matter. And the story would never change. But by the way, ha, fuck you, right at the end. I'm going to completely change the whole story. And it's not Twilight anymore. So what was the point? I mean, you're right. But I got to be honest, I don't think Stephanie Meyer has ever set out to prove that gender gender is fluid. (laughs) No. But that was kind what she was saying without her knowing it like subliminally she was saying like gender shouldn't matter these characters would fall in love anyway Bella is Bo Bo is Bella but the thing is they're not interchangeable Bo is not Bella and Bella is not Bo no they are completely different characters in a way although it would have been even lazier than this book ended up being (laughs) if she had just flipped the names and pronouns Mm. then we would have got an image of gender as fluid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. we had maybe like bow with long hair that could be braided mm, and yeah. wearing a nice dress to prom. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, like, I mean, gender fluidity is far more than. Yeah, clothes and pronouns. But, but it would have been something, you know? It would have been like, oh, it would have okay. Been fun. It would have been nice. More people would have been seen. Yeah. But instead, what we got was something like, remember when Edith said. Something about gender role, like your archaic gender roles. I know. And that was bait for people like us. We were like, yeah, finally. And then it all came tumbling down. So the reason Bo's story changes very far away from Bella's original story is all down to five minutes, apparently. The five minutes that Bo takes in the airport is the reason the whole ending changes bullshit. What I would have been more interested in and what I thought this book was about is seeing a male character being, you know, taken to prom by a female vampire. You know, would Charlie no longer like Edith when Bo is all damaged in the hospital? Would he resent Edith? Would Jules get all dressed up and go to prom and, you know, say the warning that Bonnie wanted to, you know, let Bo know, be aware, be careful, they're watching you. We didn't get any of that. Instead, we've got a fucking funeral. It's true. I have a question, and it is about Bo's regret. Mm -hmm. His one big regret is what he did to Charlie. And that his final words to Charlie will always be, I really, really hate forks. Cutting. Don't know how I'd live with myself, to be honest. And then she says, Bella was able to put her house in order, and she's confident she got the best version of the story. Mm -hmm. What? Now this blew my shrunken, dehydrated (laughs) mind. Because this implies that Bella is aware of Bo and his narrative, and that Bella has had a conversation with Stephanie about it. (laughs) Stephanie speaks to Bella, and Bella tells Stephanie Mm -hmm. of her feelings. Yeah. Does Bo realise that he is being watched by the ghost of his female self from another dimension? Oh my god, this is getting really deep. And that she's watching him, thinking... I'm confident I got the better version. (laughs) Is there a version of me 
watching me right now and they are super happy and successful <laughs> and like and they're watching me going i'm glad that i'm not living in this narrative i got the better story oh god that's awful and in this heat yes i totally believe this i know <laughs> stephanie meyer in one sentence has created a multiverse of swan children watching each other interact with their vampire loves but also judge each other yeah well i wouldn't have done it like that well don't worry bella you got the better story but she does say bella had to go through a lot more pain why did the woman why did the female lead have to go through a lot more pain what does she mean by that does she mean physical pain? Well, I didn't think that. I just thought a lot of mental and physical, I suppose. If you th- Well, the thing is, Bella's story goes through four books. Bo gets one. True. And naturally, you have more pain in four books than in one because... <laughs> if it's written by Stephanie Meyer, you do. But what causes a story is conflict. And pain is often a result of conflict. Yeah. So, you know, Bella gets thrown about, she gets bitten, she gets beaten, she gets broken, she gets broken up with, she's a depressed wreck, she throws herself off of a cliff, she nearly drowns, she gets to Italy, has to deal with a Volturi, a whole coven of vampires who do eat people. She has to prove that she's in love with Edward and will be changed. Then in Eclipse, there's a whole fucking army and war that she has to deal with. A wolf lover, she gets pregnant she has to give birth she nearly dies and then she turned into a vampire which is also very painful okay i understand all of that but in terms of payoff i think you're neglecting that ultimately bella got the d Bo has yet to get the d slash v <laughs> i don't look no who judgment. are we to say what Bo is looking for yeah what i'm saying is in the text Bo has yet to be pegged mm. and Bella yeah, may have been... I don't know. <laughs> oh, Bella was pegged many, many times <laughs> in Breaking Dawn. Edward was in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when Edward was pegged in Breaking Dawn Part 2? That's when things got sparkly. Yes, and he went, oh! Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, good times. Good, good times. times. She says Bo will be fine. So the laziest writer imaginable is like, he's all right. He'll be fine. <laughs> well, she also says... You're free to imagine the rest. <gasps> this really got me. It got me so bad. Thank you, Stephanie. <gasps> yes! Thank you so much for your permission to imagine something that wasn't on the page. We've not done any of that. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't bother writing, but you're like, here's some little, I don't know, examples of what you could imagine if you like. Yes, but... If the first chapter of Midnight Sun has taught me anything, it's that just because you could write it doesn't mean you should. No one asked for this. <laughs> to be fair, what everyone was asking for was Midnight Sun. Yes. I hope you've enjoyed a different look at Twilight that really isn't very different at all, except for the end. Well, the end changed the whole fucking thing, Stephanie! Yeah, but, uh, right, she doesn't apologise. She's and... not going to apologise for it because it was so fun and exciting. She doesn't need to apologise. It was fine. No, she ruined it. She didn't do what she set out to do, and I don't trust a person that does that. She's clearly never been pegged. So what did you want, though? 
Did you want it to end exactly as Twilight did? Yes, because I wanted to know how it would be if Bo did exactly the same as Bella, because that's what we were set out to do. But then it would have been the same. You could just read Twilight and we would that's be sat what we were doing. Saying, what a fucking waste of time <laughs> for months. <laughs> I don't know. I feel more gratified that at least we got something new to discuss in these last few I do few understand, episodes. but it just, it then doesn't set out to do what it was meant to do. And that fucking PS. No, we don't care about your stupid fucking playlist. God. (laughs) (laughs) Chloe, there will be so many people listening who care so much about the playlist. These albums. So she did not make a playlist. Did you know that she made playlists? I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't know. No. Because why would I give a fuck? Well, I mean, but where do you find this? Is this like on her website? Do I have to visit stephaniemeyer.com? Well, I most certainly will not do that, no. (laughs) (laughs) So she hasn't made a playlist like she normally does, apparently. Because the music that she's listening to didn't exist in 2005. Oh my God, don't even with me, bitch. Does that matter? Nope. No, it didn't, because if you were listening to it whilst writing, did that not still inspire you? You didn't include the tracks in the novel, so it doesn't matter if they're not of the time. Regardless. So I gave all these a listen, I'd never heard of any of these. The first one she names is Royal Blood, the self-titled album by the band Royal Blood. It's about what I expected. It's British rock, very sexy guitar. Mike Kerr plays the bass guitar and does the vocals, and Ben Thatcher is on drums. I am not someone who knows music, but the sound of what I heard as a guitar on this album was so erotic that I had to look up and find out who was doing it. And it turns out it's Mike Kerr doing something with his bass guitar that I did not know you could do with a bass guitar. I'm getting even hotter. It sounds excellent. Kind of whiny vocals with dark, sometimes sardonic lyrics. It's quite entertaining. This album was nominated for the 2014 Mercury Prize. It's a good album. We would have been big fans. It would have fit in very well in the first Twilight movie soundtrack. Then I listened to Seeds, which is an album by TV on the radio. This was a bit more of a surprise. (laughs) It's kind of art rock. I thought that these songs would fit in more on like the Eclipse movie soundtrack. Okay. It's quite psychedelic, kind of electronic sounding. Uh, And of the three, I'm gonna be honest, it was my least favorite. And then we had 2.0 by Big Data. This was exciting. (laughs) Not at all what I expected. This is like electro-pop. My dog liked this one the least, (laughs) but I potentially liked it the most. My dog hates Billie Eilish. Um, (gasps) Freaks out. It's the electronic sounds and that kind of like heavy bass and anything that uses that kind of distortion really freaks out the puppy. But I really enjoy it. So that gives you an idea of what this album kind of sounds like. Also, Big Data have a track on this album called Big Data that samples the dial-up internet tone. Amazing. So we're done with the afterward now. So let's reflect. Let's reflect. We're going to go to the character corner. So I was thinking we can do Beau versus Bella and the Cullens versus their counterparts. Okay. Beau versus Bella. Who? So the thing is, it's versus, it's a fight. Who wins for you? Who wins in a fight? Like a fist fight? <laughs> 
know, as in, like, who's the better character? Well, they'd both just start crying and roll around on the floor and just shout out for Edward and Edith. Neither of them would actually get to fight because their vampire protectors would come in and yeah. take away any agency they had. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to feel about Ooh, this. Oh, are you going to say Bella? I'm going to say Bo. Oh, interesting. Why? What are you thinking? Oh, I think they're both awful. I don't think either one of them... <laughs> Awful, awful leads, boring and stupid in very different ways, though. No, you know what? No, okay. Uh, To be fair to you, because I love you, I think I'm going to have to agree. (gasps) So now it's our job to question ourselves when it comes to this. Are we favouring an idiot purely because they're male? (gasps) No, because usually I favour idiots who are female rather than male. Do you, though? Do I, though? I didn't enjoy him but he's better than Bella because she'd made some changes. Some. Bo, as a boy, didn't hate himself as much as Bella did. But as a counterpoint for who makes the better protagonist, can I just submit to you the time that Bo said, I'm insanely attracted to you, which I'm sure you can't have helped but notice, what with you being, like, super aware of my circulatory system. (gasps) Erection! Boner alert. Boner alert. That's an unfortunate side effect of having a teen male protagonist, isn't it? Who else is important? Edith versus Edward. Edith, hands down. She is questionable, no doubt. She makes and says some questionable things, but... Does she ever say anything questionable or do anything questionable that Edward did not do? No. And there are many questionable things that Edward did... That she has not done, and I appreciate her sass, and I appreciate that she calls out sexist shit, and she always gives Beau a choice. Yes, that is the biggest difference, and that is the biggest round of applause she's received from us. Giving the little sad human a choice. Bottomy Beau gets to decide what kind of bottom. Exactly, because even when he's the submissive little lamb and she is the dominant lion, he still consents. Up until such a point that he feels the need to say the safe word. (laughs) Topaz. (laughs) Archie versus Alice! Alice! Yeah. No, Archie. Archie lost himself a little bit in the last chapters. He lost himself in a massive fucking way, though. But I really loved his character up until then. So did I, but I don't think there was anything about his character that wasn't supplied by Alice. But Alice was so 2D. She was frilly, she was girly, she wasn't given much of a backstory, she wasn't given much of anything, a personality, for Christ's sake. I am choosing to believe that that's because Bella was our narrator and Bella hates women. Well, that's true. Archie was good when he was Alice, but as soon as Stephanie started writing original material... He got bad. Yeah, she just loves that toxic masculinity. But I also understand. I understand why you like Archie. Can I jump ahead and do you know what makes Archie seem better than Alice? Jessamine. Yes, I agree. Because my next one was Jessamine or Jasper. And I just want to say, well, Jasper was part of the Confederate Army, so... So we don't really need to say anything. Also, in our movie, Jessamine's being played by Zendaya. Absolutely. Eleanor or Emmett? They are such a non-character. Oh, I know. Like, there is literally nothing about either of them that I give a shit about. Yeah. But I'm going to say Eleanor. Me too. Just because I have such a fond image in my head of her driving a dead body off a ravine in a truck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, 
I just think she's wild. I have a bit of a girl crush on Eleanor. Interesting. Yeah, she was good in the chapter where it's Eleanor, Archie, Edith and Bo in the car, you know, trying to figure out the plan. She was fun. She's entertaining. She's got more to her than being this strong, dumb guy. Eleanor is cool. The only thing I do think is... This character of Eleanor, I don't understand why she's with Royal. Shall we discuss him? Royal or Rose? Rose. Oh, Rose, Rose. hands down. I missed her, actually. I missed her a lot. Just because she's such a good character and Royal... He's a cunt all the time. Like, he has no substance. If Royal had got to have the depth that we eventually got from Rose, which we didn't really get, but we filled in the blanks. (laughs) He needed to not be such a prick. And the way he disregarded Eleanor's feelings. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe that Rose would have done that to Emmett. Completely agree. Korean hooker Lyle. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. Literally either of them. Both of them. Neither of them. (laughs) I kind of had the same thing when I was writing it. I was like, eh. I don't really care. I prefer Corrine's story, how she became a vampire. That was interesting. True. And it would have been, like, you could have done so much more with Corrine. It's so nice to have a matriarch, a female doctor leading this coven. Yes. For that reason, I would say Corrine. Yeah. Because we love a female leader. But you know what I would have loved? Corrine with Esme. Oh my God. It would have made both of them make more sense. Yes. I mean, so that's going to be our answer, right? For Esme versus, what the fuck was his name? Ernest. (laughs) Ernest. I put Emmett in my notes. I didn't even know. Edmund. Team Edmund. (laughs) Team Edmund, baby. Esme is a gem. Yeah. And Ernest was just nothing. I just don't care about this man. I am sorry to this man, but I don't know who this man is. He doesn't know who he is. We get so little description, but in my mind, he dresses like a Sunday school teacher. Totally, yes. He's Ned Flanders. He is Ned Flanders, who I recently discovered. Was it you that told me he was 60? No, I did not. We've, we have not spoken about Ned <laughs> Flanders recently. Who have you been speaking to about Ned Flanders? Someone told me that Ned Flanders is actually 60. Well, I mean, that makes sense enough. No, it doesn't. He looks great. He does look great for 60. (laughs) Is this becoming a Ned Flanders appreciation (laughs) podcast? A little bit. Oh, so that's our main cast. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not doing anybody else. Can we just do honourable mentions for where the fuck was Jessica Stanley? Bring her back. Bring her back always. And thank God for Joss. Thank God for Joss. The saving grace of this book. She stole the plane. (laughs) (laughs) So finally, what are your thoughts? on this novel, Life and Death. I am glad that we did this. Yes. I've had fun most of the time. (laughs) If in like 10 years time, I'm feeling nostalgic for this narrative, there is a very real part of me that would choose to pick up Life and Death before Twilight. I do think that I would appreciate that version more. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I don't think I've prepared well for this question. Um... I've just come to realise that I do not need this story in my life, gender reversed or not, but love you and I'm grateful for you and our time together. And for you, I would do this all over again. 
We have come to the end, my sweet, sweet listeners. <sighs> we love you. Thank you for putting up with us. Do we need to talk about the future? What? No. I am holding Midnight Sun. Oh, no. So it's in my local Sainsbury's. It's big, man. Oh, my God, it's huge. It's massive. I didn't get my copy the day it came out. Mine arrived the day after. I have an American friend who was literally sending me images of their copy as they received it. And did you know that in the States, their copy is much shorter? Why did we get the longer one? Well, I assume our print is bigger. It's 658 pages. I am holding here my UK edition of Midnight Sun, and it is 756 fucking (gasps) pages long. 750 pages of Edward Cullen's thoughts. Fuck that shit. Why do we have an extra hundred? (laughs) Extra hundred pages? Why do we have an extra... Fucking hell. We don't need it. I'm sorry. I know everybody was so excited for Midnight Sun, but it's been 12 years. Why are we not over this? Are you going to get a copy, Chloe? Oh, it's in my local Sainsbury's and it was taunting me today. Just wait. For the paperback? No, no. Like, wait, like, till next week. You'll be in your local charity shop. (laughs) That's a what the forks tradition. That's true. Every charity shop. I'm sat here holding it. I pre-ordered it because I felt I must. I'm going to be honest. I was a little excited. I do enjoy the pomegranate cover. It is a pretty cover and it does go very well with the other covers i must admit but yeah to be honest go out into the world in a couple of months you'll find it in your charity shops and your used bookshops or support your local independent we are not going to be making this podcast for a little while yeah we need a break guys not from you just from this text we love you thank you so much but we have lives. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you have a life. I just am tired. And unlike last time, we're not going to make any promises. Mm-mm. So in 12 years' time... <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. We're going to see how we feel. It, it's really hot today. I think it'd be very rash of us to make any decisions. But what we can tell you is goodbye. Goodbye. And if you want to message us... We're still going to be on the socials. Stay in touch, and if and when we ever decide to do a third season torturing ourselves with that man's perspective, we'll let you know on there. 750 pages! Thank you so much for joining us in our exploration of life and death. We'll be back whenever we feel like it. You can still keep in touch by searching at ForksCast on social media and you can rate, review and subscribe to What The Forks wherever you listen. Till we meet again, stay safe. And remember, we are not gentle readers. Gentle readers.